FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 163 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason, the snicked of God, Venable. And uh, we're here with a b- 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 bonus flashback episode. Flashback? Uh, yeah, so um, our schedule got kind of knocked for a little loop. You know, I just got to say, so far, early 2016 has been really bad for, for moms. So, <laughs> not going into too many details, uh, there's been some, some of that on my side and some of that on some other people's sides. And I just want to say, you know what? Get your act together, 2016. Leave our moms alone. But anyway, kind of having to reshuffle some things actually had a little bit of a, a positive pros and cons. There's a little pro. I have this one issue, Uncanny X-Men Annual 11, and I really have been struggling with where I was going to put it in our flashback episodes and really didn't know. Um, it doesn't really fit necessarily anywhere. And so this is a good opportunity for me to just do it as a b- 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 bonus episode. So we will be doing the um, Logan's Not-So-Wedding Anniversary. Uh, this will be Logan, uh, not celebrating is the wrong word, but Logan remembering the anniversary of, of the day he got stood up at the altar by Mariko and kind of the misadventures that uh, follow. So like I said, we'll be talking about Giant-sized annual Uncanny X-Men number 11. And uh, this is Lost in the Fun House. Hmm. Fun's an interesting word. (laughs) This is starring the Uncanny X-Men and Captain Britain. You know, we've had Psylocke kind of cross over from Marvel UK. And uh, Captain Britain's going to hop on over too. Anyway, this is uh, written by Chris Claremont. Pencils by Alan Davis. Inks by Paul Neary. Letters by Tom Orzczykowski. Colors by Glennis Oliver. And um, the cover is by Davis and Neary. And on the cover we have a green kind of crystalline background with some X-Men heads kind of reflected in it. And then we have uh, this big tough space monster dude. And he's got his hands around the necks of Bat, Wolverine, and Storm. Yeah, uh, Alan Davis's earliest Wolverine continues to still kind of have some Batman-esque qualities to him. Actually, I look at Wolverine on this cover, and if anyone remembers the, um, I think it was called Amalgam or whatever, uh, Dark Claw, which was the cross between Wolverine and Batman, I see some very similar designs to this Wolverine, particularly in the cow, reminds me of that. Then beneath them, looking like literally this monster just shot her out, is a metal Psylocke, which I thought was like, I saw this cover and I I don't know if I've ever read this, to be honest, before this time. I did not have this. I found it on eBay really cheap. (laughs) Um, Anyway, when I first saw the cover, I was like, why did this monster just poop out Jocasta? But no, it's a metal Psylocke. So this, this monster has hair. It looks kind of Dr. Seussian. Actually, you know what? More than that. Definitely kind of Dr. Seuss eyebrows. Oh, what was the one? The um, 
the Lorax, little Lorax type eyebrows, but um, actually his hair looks like if you took Farrah Fawcett's hair and shaved the top like a Franciscan monk and then cut all the long part off the back and just had the feathered part around the face. This this dude, this monster guy, just has feathered Farrah Fawcett hair. <laughs> Not, nothing on the top. No long stuff out the back. Just the feathering. He also has interesting quote-unquote armor. He's pretty much naked and very smooth. He's a metro. He likes to shave. Um, maybe he's a swimmer. Um, he has some crystal on his forehead, but his, his minimal armor is almost like... Um, if you remember in the Centurion's toys, if you're a child of the 80s, it was a, a guy in a suit, and he had holes all over, all over his body, and he stuck different accessories or pieces of armor in the holes to kind of adorn him, the figure or whatever. This looks like if you took away the jumpsuit and just had a naked centurion, and you just poked a couple of things and a poke and a couple of holes to give some armor. That's uh, that's this guy. Yeah, overall the cover is not bad. It's all right. So we start off this issue, Wolverine, um, kind of hopping, dancing down Gray Malkin Lane towards the mansion. He's in full cowboy gear, as as usual, in the mid-80s. And he has three cans left of a six-pack of beer. He's got a cigarette. And he's singing some song that I don't recognize. It's kind of reminiscent of Home on the Range, but I feel like it's probably a real song from 87, maybe. has a really weird line um, that says, There's no place on Earth like the world. I thought the Earth was the world. I, I don't know. Maybe this is a foreshadowing to the Weapon Plus world. I don't know. Anyways, he's obviously inebriated. He's walking down the uh, the the drive to the to the mansion, and he's he's yelling this song at the top of his lungs, and and hiccuping and belching, and you know credit credit to Tom Orchakowski with the letters here, you know making it look drunk. Brings up a good question: um, Can Wolverine get drunk? Uh, this this will kind of be, I guess, one of the first times we address this. Anyway, Dazzler comes out and blasts him with lights. He's like, oh, my eyes. Oh, I'm drunk. The light hurts my eyes. Like, he's already hungover. And, of course, Dazzler's in a, what well, looks like a men's dress shirt <laughs> and slippers and nothing else. Then uh, Longshot comes out in his Speedos. Yeah, so the X-Men all come out in the on the driveway. They're like, we can't sleep. Someone's yelling. Oh, it's Wolverine. And, uh, Captain Britain and Megan are here. They're here to visit Psylocke. Then at the bottom of page two, we get an awesome three-panel sequence of a snicked slash snacked panel where Wolverine, with his hat over his eyes, casting a shadow, he pops one claw, literally cuts the top off of a can of beer, and then chugs it with it running all the way down his shirt. Then he belches again, um, tosses the can to the side, so I guess he shotgunned it, as you do. Um, and he talks about how he can't get drunk. He says that alcohol is literally just a poison, and my mutant metabolism neutralizes poisons the moment they're ingested. Just like it cures diseases and heals wounds. Even when I want to get blind, stinking plastered, I can't. So, is, is he just acting drunk? Is this all an act? 
I mean, this is more than like a little buzz. Like, oh, I drank and it's my I drank so fast and my it knocked my healing factor back a little bit. But no, he's he's acting full on drunk and then saying he's not drunk, which <laughs> which reminds me of um you know classic alcoholic. <laughs> I'm not drunk. I knew that. You know, um, I don't know. Also, another another '80s kids thing. Uh, depending on your age, you may or may not remember some of the things. But um, when I was a kid, the the Mormons had a series of commercials, or the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. And it was basically morals about or commercials with with little stories that gave morals. And um, the favorite one, and you should see if you can YouTube this, was one about lies. And it was literally like a kid told a little lie and it snowballed and somehow he ended up in the sewer and what felt like um the Broadway version of Cats. And there was a song and they're like, first you tell a lie and then you tell another. And then, and then, and this is like, whoa. Anyway, there was one, and I can't remember, actually now that I think about it, this may have been a driver's ed thing. I feel like there was a, a commercial for the the Mormons too, about um about drinking and like how I can stop any time and you know I'm not really drunk anyway. That reminded me of this like uh, a drunkard in denial of his drunkenness. So I don't know if that's really what's going on or not. People kind of play fast at least on whether they want if they want Wolverine to be drunk and can maybe drink so much and so fast he can get a little drunk or if they don't want him to then voila he'll be fatter. No drunk. So, I don't know. Anyway, Storm tells the X-Men to let him go on his way and, and sweep it off. He'll be himself tomorrow. So we go back in the kitchen. Megan learns how to work a microwave. Captain Britton and Psylocke talk about where she belongs. She feels like she belongs here. So we get a real interesting thing. We go to Wolverine's room. I like the way Claremont describes it here. He says, um, Wolverine's room, whose furnishings are as eclectic and dichotomous a mix as a man himself. And uh, Wolverine's taking a nice shower, kind of sobered himself up. He's got a little robe on, and he kneels before his samurai stuff. There's a picture of him and Mariko, and he laments uh, the wedding that never was, and kind of gives a little recap of some of that story about how Mariko felt like she had to be worthy on her own and take care of her own things and she couldn't marry Wolverine until she deserved him or whatever. Which, you know, whatever. And then Logan talks about how he had to, you know, respect and honor her request, but, you know, the Wolverine and him just wanted to take what he wants. But, you know, he's also a man and he asked for forgiveness that, you know, he, he has doubt that he has the strength to be the honorable warrior. You know, but we know that's that's kind of the constant Wolverine struggle. So when Storm is in her room talking to her plants, and we see a shadowy hand approach her. And then we get an ow! <laughs> Psylocke detects the, her ow and r- calls out to Rogue. Rogue, who's in her weird green jumpsuit. She looks like she's at an archaeological archaeological dig. Anyway, her and Captain Britain and Megan come crashing through the skylight to see this monster. Wolverine runs out of his room, pops his claws. He's ready for a fight. He bumps into Dazzler and knocks her over. Havoc's like, hey, watch where you're going. You're going to cut someone with running around with those claws. 
And then this hand that grabs Storm grabs Wolverine's face and throws them back into Havoc and Dazzler. Longshot comes out again and nothing but a Speedo. Um, he has his little knives. Uh, he starts to throw them, but a, a hand literally breaks through the wall and grabs him by the neck. And we meet Horde, who has some kind of thing he's trying to do. And he's floating, and he's turned all the X-Men into, like, purple statues, and they're floating behind him. And, um, he wants to collect the X-Men. So he does. And he teleports them to a magical land. And talks about how he wants to rule the universe, but first he needs a crystal. And then he zaps the X-Men into their costumes to show his magical powers. Then he tries to kiss Storm with weird, like, gorilla face. Then he tosses her aside you know, kisses her, uses her up, and throws her away. Then uh, Havoc has an old grandma face. He actually looks like the witch in Snow White uh, here, which is weird. So then Dazzler tries to, to blast him with her light eyes. Wolverine tries to slash him with his claws. Longshot tries to use his luck. Um, Havoc, they all try to blast him all at the same time. He's like, oh, I'm impressed. Those are really good powers. In fact, they'll come in handy. Then he has this weird three-panel series where his face looks really, really weird, but it's kind of interesting. It makes like these weird, almost Jim Carrey faces. Think, you know, going back to Dr. Seuss, think of uh, Jim Carrey's faces when he was the Grinch. And we have three of those faces. And he decide, he tells the X-Men he needs them to steal an uh, all-powerful crystal, and then he'll send them back. But, you know, he wants the crystal so he can rule the universe, I guess. And they have no choice for some reason. I'm still, you know, read this and I'm still not sure why they didn't have a choice, but they don't. So we get this really giant crystal palace and the avenue leading to the palace is lined with giant statues. We recognize a Kree and a scroll and some other aliens just lining the, the passageway. Um, the X-Men are like, oh, well, I guess we'll go try to get this crystal and maybe we can, can beat Horde. Um, so we can send us home. And then, um, Storm kisses Wolverine. You know, in case this is it for them, she wants to give him, give him a smooch. So that's interesting. And it was cool to see kind of an old kind of hint, you know, at a future relationship. I think this will kind of be gone back on. So they enter the palace, they turn green. No, not really, just shading. Longshot gets really scared that this giant metal door slams behind him. Captain Britain's like, no, they can't keep us in here. And he runs, flies full speed at the door and bounces off. Havoc tries to blast it, but he can't. Wolverine's like, all right, well, let's find the crystal. He smells people, the smell of life and the smell of death. See a pile of bones. They all establish a mind leak and Wolverine goes on to scout ahead. Rogue sees a uh, a wall and walks up to it and sees a scene where she's the belle of the ball at an old southern party, like Miss Scarlet. And she's like, what? Oh, it's just what I want. I can touch people and, and be a southern lady. And she reaches in and her, ver her southern belle version pulls her through the window and they merge. Uh, but then we see that Storm's still on the other side of the crystal, but she's catatonic. And then she turns to dust. And Psylocke's like, whoa! Then uh turns out Longshot starts disappearing. We find out later it's because he has no soul and he has no secret desires. <laughs> Alright. 
So the, the palace is all crystally on the inside. Havoc uh, dreams that he turns into a star. Then he cuts loose with his power and goes supernova. And that's what he is. Um, then he turns into a little statue. Um, let's see. Some other people see some dreams. Dazzler sees what could have been if she had done what her dad wanted and gone to law school and all that instead of trying to be a singer. And she puts the kingpin behind bars for good. She even eventually becomes the first female uh, judge on the Supreme Court. But no, she wanted to be a singer. But it turns out there's no money in music. <laughs> wah, wah. And the other version of herself she sees is this, this homeless hobo. And so she's kind of confronted with these three possibilities. A famous singer, a famous lawyer, or a homeless girl. Those are her three options. Nothing in between. And then Psylocke suddenly gets very, very strong and is able to break one of the walls and they see that it's crystal all the way through and they feel like that's a good thing probably somehow. Then Psylocke starts tearing away her skin and underneath she's silver. Hi-ho, silver! Um, Captain Britain flies away and falls through several layers layers of crystal and they find another little palace. Human-sized, they say. It looks like it could hold about, I don't know, it's like a decent-sized house. A two- or three-story house, I guess. Um, so they go inside there. Um, of course, by this point, they've lost Wolverine. Captain Britain smashes through a crystal wall and sees a scene of a nice, cute family. Him and Megan have a baby, and she's expecting another. And Psylocke's just there hanging out, having tea like the British people do. So they, they run to the, embrace their fantasy, and then Psylocke peels off all her skin and hair, and she's completely metal. And she doesn't understand that this is her inner strength. And why are these people chasing these these lucid dreams when she can be what she wants? And Storm's like, yeah, I, I can get you. So then we catch back up to Wolverine. And an interesting thing, he um, stumbles into the garden outside of the clan Yoshida house. And he sees Mariko, and she agrees to marry him. And suddenly he's in his traditional samurai robes, and he's happy, and they're, they're kissing. And she talks about how noble he is, what a noble heart he has. And we'll, but Wolverine's like, wait a second, this this isn't real. I, I just got drunk over this. I, I know. Um, this never happened. You caught our wedding off. And she's like, but this is a second chance. And while they're kissing, she turns wild. I actually thought this was very interesting. It's reminiscent of the, the Wolverine miniseries by Claremont and Miller. Her design here in her wild party clothes looks a lot like Yukio. I wonder if Wolverine's subconscious, this is his way of, of having of having Mariko, who's kind of the love of his life, but also getting some of that wild side that Yukio offered and putting him in one person. So he gets a woman he loves, but he gets a little bit less reserved and gets, gets someone that he can love with both sides of himself or whatever. This is a really just greatly drawn and colored page. And Wolverine, he snaps out of it. Actually, he literally snicks out of it. He pops his claws and he says, I want you so much it hurts. More than anything I've ever felt, but not like this. And he slices through the crystal and falls through and starts to fall. And he literally like, slices his way through some more crystal. And we see Storm and Storm's yanked through the wall by hand. And this one actually is Yukio. And Storm thinks about the time she spent in Tokyo with Yukio, kind of cutting loose and finding herself and kind of, I don't know, just living life to the fullest. 
not being the reserve goddess. Now, she misses that time. But she also walks, has the strength. So her and Wolverine and Psylocke are kind of the three characters that don't give in to their temptations, their last temptations. So Storm kind of goes back through the wall and she finds Wolverine who fell. He's all busted up. And they find the crystal they were sent to steal. Then Psylocke's head rolls in, her big metal head. And Horde has literally dismembered her and is carrying her around. And then Wolverine does something interesting. He decides that with his healing factor and whatnot, he's most suitable to take Horde on. So he pushes Storm back through her crystal wall uh, to embrace Yukio. And then he runs after the crystal. Horde spears him in the back, um, and he, but he's still reaching for the crystal. And Horde's toying with him now. And he, he grows these big claws out of his fingernails. And a great panel, he pulls Wolverine up by the ripped shirt. It's like, you have a noble, courageous heart, Wolverine. I'll keep it as a trophy. And he literally looks like he's about to go Temple of Doom and just rip that heart right out of his chest. Kalima, Kalima! But accidentally, I guess he rips it a little bit violently and a drop of Wolverine's blood lands on the crystal. And Horde's like, no, no, I've come so far, I can't fail now. But he watches as this drop of blood turns into a double helix of DNA and then a pulpy mass and then a nervous system with a brain and stuff. And then some muscles and some bone and some skins then he turns into a naked wolverine. So we have a dead carcass wolverine and a whole naked wolverine that's fully alive. And um, the healing factor, he says, is in every cell of his body and I had the will to live. Given sufficient power, my entire body can be regenerated from the, gen- the genetic data encoded in a single cell or drop of blood. Looks like the crystal had the power to restore body and mind both. That shard you wear, bub, it don't belong to you. So Wolverine rips the crystal out of his forehead and turns out that was all his power. So Horde literally wastes away and there's nothing left but a pile of barely armor. And uh, Wolverine goes cosmic. He says, this must be what Jean felt like when she embraced the Phoenix. And the art here is really cool. We have like stars and stuff inside Wolverine's silhouette. But we still see his face. It's really cool. And he says he can feel everything that's alive, all of it, the universe. He can do whatever he wants. Because he can make everybody as noble as he wants to be. He says, I can transform, shape, create, heal, destroy, stop before I start. I'm talking like God. Oh, yeah, I ain't God. That was Horde's trip. Turkey? <laughs> no, he doesn't say turkey. But he decides he's got to, like, back off before he crosses over and loses himself to the cosmic power. Um, and he decides the crystal has to be destroyed, that no one deserves that kind of power. And then he worries that, because he doesn't have time to save his friends, like, he's got to do this now. And he's worried if he destroys the crystal, then all his friends will die, and maybe even himself. But he's like, wish there was a way to save him. But the longer I wait, the more irresistible the temptation grows to use the power. So he pops his claws with a big shiny snicked, and he slices the crystal, and the palace blows up. And then everybody wakes up at home, and they all thought they were dreaming. And they're like, oh, but we all had the same dream or very similar dreams. And they're like, where's Wolverine? And uh, they go to his room and he is kneeling in front of his samurai stuff with his sword out, ready to go in case he has to fight. And uh, 
I don't know really how she knows this, but Storm is really eloquent here and really kind of distills what Wolverine's doing both in this scene and kind of as an X-Men in general. She's like, he's standing guard watching over our bodies as he did our spirits. As much as worthy the X-Men's champion, and perhaps creations as well, as he is his Lady Mariko's. And it turns out that Wolverine saved the universe and also saved mankind and gave them the power to continue to evolve. That this crystal was a big test. And uh, all the other aliens that were lining the the pathway to the castle were people that, that failed and tried to take the crystal for themselves. Which I thought was interesting because it talks about how if they fail the test, the race doesn't evolve or whatever. And we know that scrolls and Kree are very advanced. And we see those statues of a scroll and a Kree, and it just seems kind of weird. I mean, maybe I guess they technically didn't evolve past, you know, going to war with each other all the time. And I don't know. I thought that was weird. I mean, the Kree's kickstarted the Inhumans and all that. It's pretty evolved. And in the Marvel Universe even had, even had a little bit to do with human evolution itself. So... That part is kind of weird, and um, yeah, just weird. The art on in here is really, really good. Of course, I like Alan Davis, and the colors by Oliver also especially good. Yeah, it's just it's great. Hordes looks silly, but I really like some of his facial expressions that Davis gives them. Some of the crazy. Wish he would have wore like clothes or some kind of either full armor or something. Like, his, his basic design from the neck down is pretty stupid. But I, I like what Davis did with his face. And Wolverine, and as both Wolverine and Logan look great throughout the book, and the Storm also especially looks really good. Long shot looks dumb, but that's because he's long shot. I don't blame Davis for that. Um, but that was interesting that he only wore a Speedo through most of the issue. Um, anyway, that's that. And the story... There's some good Wolverine moments, but the story's kind of dumb. I don't really understand, like, you don't really know what Horde's actually trying to do. I mean, you know that he's done this to many races before, and somehow he's in a league with the Crystal, maybe? I guess, you know, I guess that's it. Like, he, in the Crystal, he tells the X-Men that he wants them to steal the Crystal, and really he's, well, I would say he's part of the test, but then he talked about how he failed. Now he got this close. I don't understand. So he acted even up to the end that he still wanted the crystal for himself. So maybe he's not. I mean, he has a crystal on his forehead, so that kind of ties him together. So I'm not actually sure what the deal between Horde and the crystal is. Or maybe the failure was that he let Wolverine's blood touch it. I don't know. But if the test was to, to, to either steal the crystal or not, then to pass is to beat him is to steal it, but then to use it is to fail. I I don't. This, this makes no sense, and it's not good. There's some good moments with the characters, but the story is is bunk, garbage. Don't like it. So I'm gonna give Giant Size Uncanny X-Men Annual Number Eleven. I'll give it two out of six claws. A claw for the art and a claw for some of the character moments and and for Wolverine kind of mourning the day his wedding fell apart. Well, that stuff's interesting. The actual plot of the actual issue, not so much. But yeah, so that's pretty cool, I guess. Like I said, this is a, a b- b- bonus episode, and it's a b- b- bonus length. It's short, but uh, hopefully it'll tide you over. 
Next up will be the new ongoing Old Man Logan. And then the next flashback will still be X-Men versus Avengers as soon as we can work out the schedule. Uh, we'll get that to you. Yeah, so that's it. Uh, please like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Email us SnickCast at Yahoo.com. Show notes and stuff are at SnickCast.Podbean.com. And until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. And snap.